this isn't some like weird like woo woo like hippie stuff man what we're talking about the power of the human brain like i'm yeah. not te- i'm not telling you that you can sit here and and say i'm going to be a millionaire and you're going to i i don't believe in speaking things into existence per se it's the words that you use change the, it changes your mindset, right? Mm-hmm. So, so you're not creating anything new with your words. You are just harnessing the power of your brain, and then the actions that follow is just a result of that. What are you doing to create your dream life or your best self? Why do we see some thrive through challenges while others struggle? Welcome to Effort, a podcast where I talk about the main Fs in my life that have helped me in creating my best self. Faith, family, forgiveness, food, fitness, and formula. Hi, my name is Amy Ledeen, and most would say that I've had my fair share of struggles, whether it was placing my baby for adoption at 18, facing my marriage-ending affair, or battling stage four cancer for almost seven years, it's safe to say that I've been through a lot. Join me as I take you through my story, my journeys, and share with you the tactical strategies every single week that will help you thrive and overcome anything you face. That's right. I'm going to show you how to create a future self that you'll be proud of. So buckle up, get ready for the ride as I take you through my story and bring other guests on that have helped me along the way. I have a very special guest today on the podcast. And while I did record this one back in December before I got my cancer news, you know, I just want to put that out there. You know, the message still is the same here. And I just cannot wait to get into this one. You know, I actually had not even finished listening to this guest on Andy Frazella's podcast and something overcame me. And next thing you know, I'm on Instagram sending him a video basically asking him what it would take for him to come on my podcast. He was just that impactful to me. And, you know, he said yes, and suddenly then I got nervous to actually do this thing. So I hope that this just ends up being one of your favorites, because I know to date, this is definitely one for me. Now, Chad Wright is a former Navy SEAL turned ultramarathoner mindset freak. You know, he has an incredible story of just getting into the Navy SEALs, among many others that you're going to hear on this episode. He is the founder of Three of Seven, and to me, one of the most insightful people on the power of words. So get ready to listen in on this great one. I heard you on there, and I was like, I just had a moment when you were speaking that I'm like, I'm going to send this guy a video. He's going to think I'm crazy, but you were Not so- Not at all. <laughs> and your conviction, you know, I Ed Milet always says something that he says, you know, It's not that you have to believe me. It's that you have to believe that I believe me. And I listening to you on Andy's podcast, I'm like, I believe that I know he believes himself. I mean, I obviously also believe what you're saying, but your power is that energy of just, I mean, I'm just excited what's going to happen with you through you. And then listening on Steve's, I'm like, I got to talk to this dude because we're actually moving from Canada right now to move, I'm an American, um, mm-hmm. was married to a military guy and um, for 15 years. And so I lived in Virginia Beach, so we'll totally get into all the Navy SEAL, but we, um, I married a, a Canadian and moved up here seven years ago. And um, we're, we're excited about just like revival times and just like what's, you know, gonna be happening. So we have the opportunity to, to move back to the States because I'm American. So we're moving to Florida and um, we bought a property with three houses so that my ex-husband and his ex-wife, we can all at least initially get down there and live, um, you know, kind of close. And then, you know, it's craziness up here right now, like the freedoms and stuff that are being taken away. So. You know, and, and we have I have a lot of Canadians that that follow me on Instagram and uh, and they've been very engaged with kind of the message that. That, you know, I guess guys like me and Andy and, and uh, other people are putting out and it's surprising me. I, I can only imagine what you guys are going through because it surprises me the amount of engagement they offer. Now, me, I don't talk a lot of politics. I'm not too interested, you know, and I think maybe that's what makes me different than than kind of some other people that are putting out a similar message is, is I feel like 
You know, I'm interested in spiritual things because here's the thing. The politics, the situation that we face as as a nation or, 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 or as a as a society, the root of it is it's a spiritual issue. It's a sin problem. It's a it's a it's a, a, a degradation of moral character. And yeah. if we can get that stuff fixed, if we can call if we can call and challenge people to hold themselves and their neighbors to a higher, higher moral standard, well, everything else just falls into place. Totally. So why totally. why sit and argue about politics? It's a waste of time. It's like when I I, I'm interested in attacking the root of the problem. And and you know, I have I have no other agendas. Um and that was really cool what you were saying, Amy, earlier about, you know, hearing someone speak and knowing that they believe in what they're saying. I'm not trying to convince you of anything. Because that's the beautiful thing. I have no other agendas. I'm re- I'm a hundred percent disabled veteran, retired from the military. I live a very simple life. I don't need money. I'm not motivated by money at all. I, I actually it. don't want it. I don't <laughs> want it. the The only reason that we uh, accumulate that I accumulate any money is so the people that I love can have the things that they want. It means nothing to me. And what I found is actually when you when you stop trying to cling to money and, and try, trying to just when you stop being greedy, I, I, I don't know. When you stop allowing those thoughts about money to have control over you, money comes. Exactly. It just, it just shows up. It, it's, it's like a miracle. That, that's happening to us right now. I mean, we've we've had success for a long time, but it's like the moment we decided what our bigger mission was and that, you know, it's not going to be through, I mean, I'm not going to get up and be a pastor, but I'm going to be using my, you know, like my example, my life and let God use me. And, you know, I'm learning that we have a lot of online resources. I mean, I'm a fat loss coach, but you better believe I'm going to be able to still influence and, and, you know, inspire whatever you want others around me. So when I, like, when I heard you on Andy's, I'm like, Okay, this guy is exactly the kind of mission. And I had kind of a moment a couple months ago in that I had um I had a a, God, a worship singer on my podcast. She her song that she wrote was just a really powerful one that really has helped me through my cancer journey. And so she came on and we went full on Jesus like deep in and I got off that podcast and I said I know I have a bigger mission. Like I have to. I know that I have a platform now and I know that what I'm going through myself I'm only here because of God. Like I know that. And I am, I'm already a complete outlier. I mean, they've told me, I mean, I've got a less than 1% five-year survival rate. I'm here seven years. You know, I'm, I'm someone that last year I did 75 hard while I was on chemotherapy, like Mm. trying to show people that your mindset, I mean, and that's why I'm like listening to you. So we're going to back up because I want to, I want my audience. I mean, I went, I've listened to everything of yours because I was just so fascinated, but I love that, you know, I grew up military wife, I mean, around military, went, I mean, I've been in basically all the water, you know, states, Georgia, Virginia, we were even in South Carolina, down in Florida, um, and I lived by a lot of Navy SEALs, so when you were telling your story, I love that you're just not the typical Navy SEAL, so talk me through how, I mean, because you didn't play sports growing up, you know, you didn't do any of that, so you know, talk me a little bit through that. I mean, I want us to get more to like your mission, but I do want people to know where you came from. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a that's a great question, Amy. And uh, me, I'll back myself up too. thank you for having me on your show. <laughs> it's an honor to be able to come and have this conversation with a sister in Christ and, and, and a, 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 a not a survivor and just a motivated, driven human being. I've been really excited about our conversation. and. Yeah. So in the beginning, first of all, I was raised by strong women uh, that that really gave me a leg up in life. Um, not that my father uh, or, or my grandfather or, or those people weren't present. Those people were present, but they they, they were more in the provider role. OK, mm-hmm. so, you know, it was my it was really my mother that that took me out and and introduced me to uh, the wilderness, introduced me to 
what it what it means to be just strong and 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 run and and be outside and enjoy life and so we were really really fostered and raised by strong women survivors women that have survived domestic violence abuse sexual abuse um all these things and and have decided to push forward in life and start families of their own and raise healthy children so that that was the the foundation of everything was the women that raised us my mother mm-hmm. and my aunts and and my grandmothers also and then you know Moving forward in life, my, my mother, she always supported me in everything that I wanted to do. Uh, but, you know, as, as I got older, school was not for me. Um, not that I wasn't intelligent enough. It was just, you know, I, I'm, I'm a man of, of the, of the, the wild places. You know, I don't like to be inside four walls and you can see that by the location mm-hmm. we're doing the podcast interview. Uh, I've been in the woods all morning this morning. I actually just got back. And I uh, had a great hunt this morning. And um, so, yeah, I, I graduated high school by the skin of my teeth. And, you know, I, I, here I am in this small town in North Georgia. And the, you have you have a few options. Go to college or go do construction or go work in a factory. Mm-hmm. Well, school wasn't for me. That was off the that was off the list. So I went and I tried my hand in construction in the construction industry. And I realized that, you know, if I didn't step out of that arena, then more than likely, I had no education other than a high school education. I, more than likely, I would make four or five hundred dollars a week for the rest of my life and I would struggle and I would really never, never get to experience uh, the fullness of life. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, and I want to be very careful when I tell this story, because here's the thing. There are a lot of men and women that are in that industry and all in other industries in small towns all across the nation that have been extremely successful and are extremely happy doing that. Now, mm-hmm. for me, for me, it just it just didn't hit the spot. And and so that's when I started looking online. I remember I was working in a in a concrete factory and I was I was in this little room and, and it had a computer in there and I, I was looking at the, the military, didn't know anything about the military. I'd never even seen a man or a woman in uniform in my whole life. And uh, and I, this thing pops up about Navy SEALs. And see, back in those days, the war was was really uh, just starting to really go hard. And, and the U.S. military was looking for new uh, men, uh, young men and women to join up. So there was some promotion. And I saw one of those promotions and it said the hardest military training in the world. And I said, well, if if I really am going to go do this, I might as well go do the hardest thing there is. And now that's just been a part of me for some reason. uh, I don't know if it's genetics or if it's the way I was raised or what. But, man, when I decide I want to go do something, I call it front sight focus. I get so focused on the goal that. Everything in the peripherals is blurred and that can be unhealthy at times. Mm. Uh, that comes with a price, right? But what it, uh, what it's allowed me to do is to achieve some, some pretty difficult things in my life. And, uh, yeah, I said, this is the hardest thing. And so I go, I sign up, I, I fail the physical standards test multiple times, dozens of times. I had to take a test to get a seal contract. Like you said, Amy. I had never even swam in a swimming pool until wow. I went to take this test. I had never ran more, more than I, I, the only time I ran is if I need, if something was chasing me, and now, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I was generally healthy and in shape as a young man because of the nature of the way I lived my life. I was out in the woods and, you know, do it, do it, you know, enjoying the outdoors and that keeps you strong and healthy in and of itself. But, um, but yeah, I had to learn how to swim. I had to learn how to run. I had to learn how to do push-ups, pull-ups, sit-ups, all this stuff over the course of a few months and finally earned that SEAL contract and went to the Navy. And of course, things didn't go as planned. <laughs> mm. Which, I mean, you know, I, I know like 
there's a lot of people that are committed to a dream and they want something, but your commitment, I mean, let's face it, you, you know, you were told, you know, tell, talk me through this, but you had a medical condition and, and then not only did you then have to go against, you know, their advice, you had to go fund this yourself. So talk me through this. So. Yeah. And, and so get in the Navy, go through boot camp and get to the last day of boot camp. And they pull me to the side and say, Hey man, you got to go to medical. They found something on your dive physical. Now dive physical is a really in-depth physical that they give Naval Special Warfare candidates in order to make sure that they have absolutely nothing wrong with them inside and out. And uh, I, sh I show up to the, the dive medical officer's uh, little office and he says, Chad, uh, you have a pericardial cyst on your heart. Now he says, this is an asymptomatic condition. In other words, it will not affect you at all for the duration of your life. But we're afraid that when you dive underwater as a Navy SEAL combat diver, that the pressure change will burst the cyst. And mm. he, he just told me uh, flat out, he said, you know, Chad, you, you, you'll never be able to be a SEAL because we're not going to remove this cyst. It's a very rare condition. And, uh, you know, he said, but we can send you to the regular Navy. Now, that's not where I had set my goals. And again, that front sight focus comes into play. And, you know, I was I was pretty devastated, you know, that, you know, I, I basically the, the 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 boss man is telling me no. And, and I don't, you don't at the time you don't see any way around that. Right. Really, you, you can't project any way around that mountain. Um, I, I chose to get out of the Navy uh, on an administrative discharge with with really, you know, no clear way forward. I just knew that I was going to keep trying. Uh, to get this thing fixed and show up back to my hometown. And guess what everybody in my hometown thinks? I'm a quitter because everybody quits SEAL training. Mm -hmm. and, and, right, right. You know, here's 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 old Chad, you know, and and uh, he we know he went to the Navy and he's been gone for a few months. But now here he is, you know, back hanging out around around town. And and, you know, you try to tell these people, you know, well, I actually had a medical condition and. Of course, that doesn't resonate with them. Everybody, and you'll 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 see everybody that quits buds. They say they had some sort of injury. Every but nobody quits buds. Everybody gets injured, right? I mean, that's right, just right. most people's story, you know. And uh, so I, I'm giving you guys the long version of this. I'm sorry, but so that no, was I love tough. it. That was tough in and of itself. But you know, you you cannot you cannot let what other people think of you and your situation and, and your abilities and this and that, you can't let that freaking dictate your time, speed and direction. Uh, because P mm -hmm. uh, the, the reality of it is most people in my hometown didn't want me to become a seal because they don't want to see you succeed. This, this right. is terrible to even say that I'm not saying that I don't have hope in humanity or I'm not talking bad about anybody. I'm just telling you that's human nature. And, and, and even today, I've now since moved back to this hometown and and really nobody here talks to me. Uh, I, and, and I'm going to tell you, it's because you can look me up online and, and I'm not being boastful here. But God has given me some, uh, some great things and a great platform. And I, I've been very successful by the grace of God. And, and people don't like that. But it is what it is. And uh, I ended up finding a heart surgeon that would remove this cyst from my heart. I had to pay for it. Uh, my family helped me with that. And, you know, I, I went and laid down on an operating table and let this dude split my chest open and remove this cyst from my heart just so I could potentially have a chance at accomplishing my dreams. There was no guarantee. Which is is so fascinating to me. I mean, I listened on one of your podcasts. You talked about that drive, I think, with your dad, that you had a moment there. And I just I'm 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 in awe of that because I've had to go all in on some of my, you know, j journey through cancer. And so many people think they'll have faith. And there comes a place where you're like at this crossroads where you got to like go all in. And I just, I, I just am in awe of that because you did, and you were young. It's not like you were this old to like, you know, have all this wisdom behind you. You were like going all in on this. So talk to me about that, that drive. Yeah, that was the morning of the surgery. We were going to driving to the hospital and it was me and my father very early in the morning, five before the sun rose, 5 a.m., something like that. And, you know, 
uh, it starts to get real. And, and and the thing about this situation too, Amy, is is the it was my choice. Exactly, and, you you know. And that's that that's the other thing. That's the advantage. Like I always say to people, listen, I'm in a forced situation. Like I didn't ask for cancer, so I have no choice but to show up. You, on the other hand, you had a choice not to do this, so you really had to do blind, blind faith. Yeah, hundred percent. And I had that moment of doubt. And I looked over at my dad and I said, hey, man, uh, do you really think I should go and, you know, go through with this, go and do this? And he said, son, if you want to be a SEAL, you have no choice. And, you know, I've been told that time of I've been told that by people that I trust, by my own advisors, you know, life coaches, whatever you want, a couple times in my life. And uh, sometimes you got to come to that that conclusion that if you want what you want, uh, you don't have a choice. And now. You know, there's always a choice in life. There's always a choice. I, I had a choice then to go through with this surgery or not. You, you look at your situation, Amy. Uh, you know, you say you're, you're forced into to this situation, but really, really, you have you have a choice. You, you could quit. You could True. at any time you could just quit and say, I am not going through this anymore. I'm going to quit. I'm done with life. There's always a choice. You're never you always have the option until they lay you down in the grave to to either push forward and achieve and 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 make yourself better or quit. I love that. It's so true. So you go through with the surgery. It uh, you know, we know that you became a Navy SEAL, so you obviously go back. How did that feel to go back and show that to the guy that told you, you know? You know, I show up to this guy's office and uh, this this dive medical officer that had disqualified me less than a year before. And I don't think he knew I was coming. But the thing is here, the thing is, I, I had this paperwork saying that I was good to go from my civilian doctor. Well, guess what? The civilian doctor doesn't have any authority uh, within the confines of the uh, the naval medical system. Right. So. I walk into this guy's office and I say, hey, here's this here's this paperwork. I've got this. He's like, man, what are you doing back here? And I'm like, I, I got this surgery. And he's like, holy smokes, man. Like he if anybody could appreciate what I had done, it was him because he knew that the fullness of the situation I've actually posted. Uh, they wrote a they wrote a whole uh, journal on me, a medical journal on on this whole scenario. I posted it on Instagram before, but you can read through his notes. He he at the end he he writes it and he tells this whole story. If you don't believe wow. the story, it's posted on a medical journal. You can literally <laughs> Google Navy Seal pericardial cyst and it will pop up. And um, so, you know, I give him the paperwork, and I have to sit in the holding. For four months. Oh, my gosh. While everyone in the Navy analyzes this situation because they've never seen it before. I'm the first Naval Special Warfare candidate to have ever even been diagnosed with this condition. So I'm in holding for four months while they're all looking this stuff over. And, man, I'm just I'm just working. I'm just I'm getting fit. I'm in Great Lakes. I'm in I'm in back in the Navy, but I'm on hold. And uh, finally. They bless it off and say, all right, Chad, here you go. You get your shot. Now, at that point, man, when I you've got to understand, I put in I did all this just to toe the line to an event that 90 percent of people quit. Exactly. You're not even in there yet. (laughs) No, I haven't even started the hard part. But the great thing is, is because of all that adversity because of all that uncertainty because of all that struggle because of everything that i had put in on the front end when i got to toe the line man nothing was going to stop me mm. i mean nothing I, I i don't i don't say this lightly now you hear people say this all the time but, you know i'll die before i quit people love to say that right um right. Uh, literally i would have died before i quit that training and 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 I'm not that doesn't make me special. I actually saw men in training. I saw a dude one time we lunge. We were walking lunge, walking lunge with a telephone pole for four miles in oh soft God. sand in the hot sun in Southern California. I saw a guy get so hot. He fried his brain. 
he literally burned his brain up. Uh, and he's the dude, the dude is, uh, he never recovered. Um, and I saw another dude be, he was in the cold water for so long that he almost, he literally almost died. Uh, he couldn't walk. He couldn't talk. Uh, he, I don't know what happened to him, but I'm sure he's still a little off. So it, when you step into this arena, this, this arena of seal training is literally meant to push you to the brink of what is humanly capable which is is so i mean i've i've read david goggins book and even just living in little creek i lived right next to little creek in virginia you know you know about hell week and it's on the news a lot and stuff and you know i don't think people can even you know grasp that but one thing that you really mention over and over and i always hear this is that you know in isolation if people could break it down and see all the components of it that we're all capable of doing those things, right? Oh, 100%. Amy, you could, I guarantee you, you could pass right now any evolution, any single evolution in SEAL training. And that was my goal every morning. Uh, because I wasn't an athlete, because I, I wasn't the, the most physically capable, I had one goal every morning, and it was just to make it to breakfast. And that was it. And if I could make it to breakfast, the morning was always the hardest part for me because yeah, you imagine waking up at 4 a.m., getting out from under your warm covers and having someone yelling in your face, telling you to run to the surf zone, freezing cold water, forcing you to get wet and then cover yourself in sand every mm -hmm. single morning. If you could get through the morning, you know, I said, I'm going to make it to breakfast. Well, when I got to breakfast, man, I was already wet and sandy. I was already awake. The sun was coming up, you know, the, it was starting to warm up a little bit. Well, I, there's no way I, 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 I couldn't, there's no way I was going to quit before lunch. So then it became making it to lunch. And then dinner was mm -hmm. always my favorite meal. The dinners at, in, in SEAL training there at the chow hall were awesome. And I didn't want to miss a dinner. So I'd make it a dinner. And then before, before you know it, the day's over. And, you know, that was the number one reason that people quit in SEAL training is uh, they looked at the big picture. And that's the number one reason people quit in a marriage. That's the number one reason people quit in business. That's the number one reason people quit in anything, literally. Um, I I've come to that conclusion because I've seen it play out time and time again. Wow, that's really powerful. That was one of the notes I actually had written down because you told a story um, about you were on one of your runs, the one of the ultra marathon runs. I think it was the last, wasn't it the last man standing? Was that yeah. the run? Yeah. And uh, Greg was your partner. And and this is one thing that I really wanted to hone in with you because, I mean, I, I truly believe, I think I know the power of my words. However, I sometimes get too far ahead of myself in my own cancer journey. I have surgery that I'm looking forward to in January. And last week I had five days of, I had five days of radiation. Plus I'm already on chemotherapy. So I'd never had the combination of all my stuff together. And on day two, I had a breaking down moment and now listening to you and listening to the podcast, I was already thinking about day five and I, and I, cause I, it was the first time I think audibly I had said to my husband, I said, I hope I can do this. Like, I hope my, and I really meant my body. Like, I'm just like, I hope my body will just make it this week, but I was too focused on day five. And so when I heard you talk about Greg and how you knew six hours before he quit that he was going to quit all because he was looking ahead to six hours. So talk me through the power of just keeping your head down and what you've experienced through all the people that you've been around with that. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great topic, Amy. And that did play out in a very real way at the mid state mile, the race that you're talking about. And for the listeners, that was a, a last man standing race. So we ran continuously uh, on a one mile loop in the mountains, really, really hard loop uh, for and until only one runner was left. And there were a lot of really, really good ultra runners there. So this thing went on for 30 straight hours and we accumulated about 35,000 feet of elevation gain and loss over the course of that 30 some odd hours. I don't know how many miles it was. It was close to 100 miles. And um the interesting thing about Greg there is it, it got down to just me and Greg. We were the last two runners left, and, and he was a very qualified runner. I didn't think I could beat him, but it didn't really uh, matter to me. I was going to keep going until I won or my body broke. 
because uh, that's what I was willing to sacrifice to win that day. And Greg comes to me in between loops and he says, just like you mentioned, Amy, he says, Chad, we got six hours till we reach a hundred miles. And I just smiled at it because the whole time I was thinking, I don't think I can beat this dude. He has a resume that, that is really, really strong. And when he said that, I knew then that he was overextending himself mentally and that I would achieve victory that day as long as I could hold on, as long as I didn't have some catastrophe, right? Some physical uh, catastrophe. And the interesting part about it is, Amy, is that when he overextended himself mentally, there was actually a physiological response. So shortly after he made that statement is when his body started to shut down. Now, you cannot tell me that's coincidence. I'm sorry, uh, because I watched it play out in real time. And, and shortly after that statement, Greg, his actual his muscles started cramping so severely that he could no longer even stand. And there's a video of him stumbling across uh, the finish line on the last loop of Mid-State Mile. And uh, it was so emotional to see a human being. Uh, push themselves that far. I mean, I was crying. I was oh. in tears. I, I couldn't even talk to Greg. And I wasn't crying because uh, because he was suffering. Uh, I was crying because there's rare opportunities in life when you get to see a human being push themselves beyond their uh, physical uh, or perceived physical capabilities. And Greg was doing that. And I was actually envious of the opportunity that he had to push to that level. Uh, the last few laps, Greg thought that he was uh, – Greg knew he was done. At, shortly after he made that statement, his body was shutting out. He knew that he was done. He went, he went another two or three hours after he knew that he could not win just to give me the opportunity to push myself further. Right. So I that's the that. type of competition that we were in. I've seen this play out so many times, though. You know, I had a good friend in SEAL training. Uh, physically, uh, physically capable again to do everything that he needed to do. He comes to me one morning. He says, Chad, I don't think I'm good enough to make it through this training anymore. And what do you know? Two hours later, uh, my good friend is going to ring the bell and quit. And, and that, that single statement, uh, again, overextending himself mentally along with making a negative statement about his capability. So the spoken mm. word, those two things paired together, uh, you know, it, it, that single statement changed the course of that man's entire life. And he was actually just on my podcast the other day. And wow. his name is, his name is Tubbs. I'm still great friends with him. He, he, he knows I share this story, but he, he's still dealing with the repercussions of that single statement mentally, uh, e even now, you know, over a decade later. So keep control of your rudder, man. Keep control of your rudder. And I think, you know, like I love that children are so, you know, I have six children, five in house, but my three little ones are taking a personal development course. And um, in there, they talk about the power of words. And, you know, while we talk about it from the Bible, it's always, you know, great to have like an outsider telling your children because the influence, you know, it's like proximal bias. You can tell your kids things. And so our kids were playing soccer one day and Christian went to go. Um, hit hit the goal and he missed it and he he immediately went goes oh my gosh I'm so dumb like that and his two sisters oh my goodness you would have thought he had cussed and said he was dead to the world because they ran over they said Christian your words matter now you need to say 10 pot you know they were like wanting him wow. to immediately go into that and I love that they had taken it so literal like that this is this is like swearing to yourself right that the audible you know matters i know in my you know with myself just in this last seven years i've i've specifically asked doctors to not give me the side effects i don't want you to tell me the negative stories because i already know that then my brain can go towards that so anytime i've had any sort of news i'm really intentional in that i also immediately go look for the winners in my like i'm like i need to go find a a stage four lung cancer person that's done an Ironman. Like I look for the extremes because then I know that my brain will start to look for those things more versus sitting here going, you know, what am I, uh, 
you know, doing wrong. So when I heard you say that with the power of words, you know, I, I know for myself, like, that has been a big separator in, but mine's been internal. So that's why I was so fascinated by, I'm like, wow, he's saying this audible is, you know, so important, the most important thing, you know, I'd heard you on Steve Weatherford's, which was so incredible. Um, so what are some of the things, practices that you take yourself through for, you know, cause I always say to people listening, I want you to walk away with like some strategy. Yeah. So if someone is having the negative, you know, talk, what do you say to do? I mean, that's that's the thing. That's what creeps in first is that negative self-talk. Right. Um, and, you know, a lot of times you, you a lot of times you can't control that. Now, how can we how can we improve our self-talk? It's uh, being hyper vigilant of what we allow to come in. Right. So being hyper aware of the input. That's probably the most important thing about controlling your self-talk. And, Amy, I cannot top the the example that you just gave. Uh, with focusing on the good examples and the survivors and not focusing on the negative side effects and outcomes. I can't give a better example of that. That is you being hyper vigilant about your input, which is going to which is going to significantly improve the direction that your mind goes, your self-talk. Right now, right. if the, when that negative self-talk pops in, look, man. You've just got to simply have the courage to just counterpunch it with the positive spoken word. And that takes courage because it's really easy right here when we're sitting, we're, we're nice and comfy. Life is, is, life is good. It's really easy to sit here and say, I'm talking about say out loud, I am strong. I am sufficient. Uh, whatever it may be, whatever the statement is, it's really easy. But man, when it when that negative self-talk creeps in and life gets freaking hard and every bone in your body feels like it's about to break and maybe you don't think you can do it that's when it is hard to say something like i am strong i am sufficient i will never quit you don't have to you don't have to come up with some magnificent poem or or state these are simple statements that that will that will carry you forward far beyond what the people around you are going to be able to do. And there's also minor tweaks, man. There's minor tweaks. Just like you said, Amy, things as simple as something like I am dumb. Or how many times do you know people that when they're doing something hard or they're having they don't like their job or whatever it is, they say, man, this is killing me. This is killing me. You might think that I'm crazy, but I'm telling you, you say that enough. You say things like I am dumb. You say those things enough and it can actually kill you. Now, totally. you know, so these are minor tweaks, things like cussing, man. Look, man, if you want to cuss, that's all good. I don't judge you. I'm around rough people all the time. I mean, rough people because I'm a rough dude. I know what it means to cuss. I used to be a dang sailor, man. Look, these are minor tweaks. If you can cut those words out of your vocabulary and mm. out of your everyday use, um, it is really going to take you to the next level uh, in in everything that you do. You think I'm crazy? I'm telling you, those cuss words have a lot have a, a a place, a time and place. Look, if we are out on a mission. And I look over at you, Amy, and you're doing something silly. And I say, Amy, you better, you better, and I use the F word, you better F, you better tighten up. And I use the F word. What's that going to do? It's going to grab your attention, right? You're going to say, oh, man, I, because I don't say those words normally, exactly. right? So right. The, those words have, they've lost their power. They've lost their use. And, and, and you know, they, I think there is a place for them when, when in a really severe situation where you can use them to really grab someone's attention. But man, we just use them now. Like it's just, it actually makes, to me, it makes an individual sound ignorant. It really, well, those words it, make an individual sound ignorant. Well, and like you said, it loses that power so that when you do need it, it's kind of like the parent that continues to constantly nag their kid. But then when they finally are ready to endanger themselves or hurt themselves, your 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 nag doesn't have any power. Whereas That's my it. kids knew as children, like, 
I didn't do it often, but when I did, which is when they were endangering themselves or endangering others, you better believe I grabbed them very aggressively because they're not used to that. I want them to see that there are certain things like this is just this is a tipping point, right? So 100%. I, can, I can see that with words. And and you know, I've um with the power of my words, I've seen like you talked about saying someone they're killing themselves. So I had a really interesting one with chemo. So for so long, I was on chemo. And last year, I went off of it for I think I was almost almost a year that I was off before I got back on. But for six years, I had said, I'm not hungry. I'm not hungry. I'm not hungry all the time. Like it just became I didn't even know my own, you know, like because I really didn't have an appetite. When I got off chemo, I saw the power of those words for so long. My body just went along with it and that I didn't have the hunger. I had to start training myself. I am hungry. I am hungry. Saying those things to myself audibly, thinking them because I saw how, you know, your body can go towards it. So I truly see the power in in the word and that, you know, I think some people, you know, don't see the power of their tongue and realize that what you say can you know, go into action, you know, immediately for good or bad. Right. That's a powerful, powerful testimony, Amy. And we've, we've used the same, I, you know, me and Jesse Itzler were running a hundred miler uh, back about a year ago. And when it got nasty, you know, and we had been awake for 30, 25, 30 hours, whatever. I just started saying, I never get tired. I never get tired. And I had learned this from a three-year-old that didn't want to go to bed when uh, it was her bedtime. She was exhausted, but she did not want to go to bed. So she would say, I never get tired and she would just keep going. So I started using that on on the race and it worked for me and everybody with me. And, um, you know, I, I want to tell your listeners too, Amy, this isn't some like weird, like woo woo, like hippie stuff, man. What we're talking about the power of the human brain. Like I'm not, te- I'm not telling you that you can sit here and and say i'm going to be a millionaire and you're going to i don't believe in speaking things into existence per se it's the words that you use change the, the it changes your mindset right mm-hmm. so so you're not creating anything new with your words you are just harnessing the power of your brain and then the actions that follow is just a result of that. So anyone Absolutely. can use this, man. I'm a red. I'm a, I'm a country dude with a beard down to my belt buckle, living out here in the woods. I'm telling you, this works, man. It you does. And and they study it, you know, right at the beginning of the pandemic, um, a guy that I follow that teaches like creating alter egos, he had interviewed a bunch of Fortune 500 companies and then they transcribed the interviews and they decoded the words. And then three months later, they took those same people and they wanted to see where their success was. No joke. The people that use negative words, you know, fear, they weren't thriving. The CEOs that were speaking about positivity and speaking about, you know, hey, I'm just taking it a day at a time and I'm working toward they had it was crazy. And I'm like, if you don't see the power of the words, I mean, this guy, that's all he does. He researches the way you speak and how he can tell just by by on the way that you say things, where you're going to go, the direction. And it was really fascinating because, I mean, it was just even just the, the amount of words that he showed in both columns on the side that they were, you know, not thriving, it was no surprise. They had a lot of negative stuff, not, you know, no direction. Um, and it was just fascinating. So I want to go into, because you talked about, you know, doing hard things. And I mean, that's kind of even where I found you on Andy's and then totally pivoted over to Steve's. And um, I'm very similar in that I've tried to teach my kids that that's actually when I felt the best is really embracing the hard things. And a couple of years ago, in the middle of my um, chemotherapy, I wanted to take my teenager, my 15, she was 16 at the time, we decided to do a Spartan race. And I said, listen, we're not even going to prep for this. It's like four weeks away. I'm going to really try to show you that your mind is what's going to really get you there because I'm at a really low place physically right now. And it doesn't matter. We're doing it. So we got there and it it couldn't have been a better blessing in that she ended up getting a contusion on a really, she hit a, a branch underwater and they were wrapping it and even saying to her that, you know, she could quit. And 
I just kept saying, let's focus on just what we could visually see. Like, we just have to get to this corner. And then maybe if someone, you know, because I knew that her mind at that time was weak. Right. And I and that was the whole reason I wanted her to do this with me is I wanted her to see that the hardest wins. Like I'm talking the crying ready to like you just want to give up and then you win it. You can't even like put a, a price on that. So she ended up needing to hobble basically the rest of the race. And, you know, there were times she did want to quit. And luckily I was there to be like, let's talk through this. You can do this. We can get to it. We get to the end. I mean, she's up on the A-frame, basically ready to like almost give up. And I'm there with her. I pull her over. You know, we ball at the end. And it was like, honestly, one of the best days of her life. And she's like, I'm in so much pain, but this is the best day of my life. And I love how you talk about, hey, you want to look for the opportunities of the suck and for the challenge. Talk me through that. I mean, because I know a lot of people are like, yeah, sure, you're a Navy SEAL. So, of course, but from your experience in helping others also through it, what do you see in it? Uh, you know, it goes back to to kind of something that was driven into my head as a SEAL. And it's that you train like you fight, right? You train like you fight. So here's the thing. Life itself, life is going to throw hard situations and hard scenarios at you. Now, when life throws hard situations at you, it's usually out of your control, right? It's a diagnosis. It's an accident. It's losing a loved one. It's something that's outside of your control and you're thrust into that situation. And, and man, you got, you, you got two choices to move forward or to quit. Now, it's a lot easier to move forward if you have some tools in your toolbox that allow you to deal with the situation better. Things like we've been talking about, things like you've shared about your journey, Amy. Now, train like you fight. What that means is, is that, you know, it's very valuable to put yourself into situations that are difficult. Put yourself into those situations, right? Because if you put yourself there, it's usually a controlled environment, something like a hundred mile ultra marathon, something like a, a, a fast, fasting, um, something, wh whatever it may be. It doesn't have to necessarily be physical. Maybe it's, it's taking a, 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 you know, it's taking on more responsibility within your community. Um, you know, it could be whatever, but you can put yourself in these situations that are difficult. That's where you build the tools. That's where you build the mindset. That's where you forge yourself. So that when you get in a situation that is outside of your control, that diagnosis, that accident, that whatever it may be, and life happens, you can deal with the situation and you're not having to learn how to deal with it when you get there. You've already forged the tools that you need in a controlled environment to where if things get sideways, things get crazy in a race, things get crazy in whatever it may be, you can step out. You can reassess, right? That's the training environment. Now, I live by a motto that says it's, it's be hard when it gets hard. Be hard when it gets hard. You know, I'm not saying that you have to do this all the time. I'm not saying that you, that you just have to just beat yourself into the ground all the time. That is not sustainable. There ain't nothing fun about that. I'm actually right now I'm taking a break from running. I have not trained. I've ran, but I've not really trained uh, specifically or intentionally for about the last month. I had coronavirus. Um, I ran a marathon with coronavirus on day five. Oh God, that was I the last. That. Yeah, that was the last long run that I did. And, you know, it, it, and it's not because of lingering side effects or anything to do with coronavirus. That to me was just the time my body said, OK, Chad, you need a little break. And so now I've taken four or five weeks off of running. Now I have something coming up. I know I'm going to have to start training again here within the next few weeks. But I have, I'm, I'm fine with, with taking some time off and just, just being me, man. That's cool. You don't have to do – there's a lot of people, a lot of influences out there that will tell you you got to live this life day in and day out. I'm telling you, it will beat you down. It's not sustainable. So be smart about it. Train like you fight. And uh, it's going to help you in all aspects of life. 
I love that you say that because, you know, one of my, uh, I, you know, I, I love David Goggins. I listened to his book. I read it, you know, but I, I will say just honestly, towards the end of it, I thought, man, I don't want to always feel like I need to chase something hard to have the fulfillment. And to me, to be honest, as much as I loved the book, I was a little disheartened. I was sad at the end myself because I know of what truly makes me happy and what, you know, how God has just really restored my life and my purpose that I don't want to chase. I'm an overachiever as it is. That's the last thing I need to be doing is constantly, you know, chasing that. So I wonder what you thought about that, you know, in terms of like, you know, do we need to be doing hard things every single day? No, Amy, I'm in this for the long game, man. I, I want to be talking to you guys uh, 30 years from now. And I want to be racing 30 years from now. And I, I you know, I, I, dude, I want to be able to walk in the house and love my wife and show compassion to my my nieces. I, I want to be able to to you know have loving conversations and and and, and I want to be able to have to show emotion. Right? I never allow my emotions to lead me in my decision making process. But man, it's great. Emotions are great things, man. They they make mm-hmm. us who we are. They make life more vibrant. Like I told you, I was crying. Uh, when, when Greg stumbles across the finish line, you know, um, if you, if you're, if you're subscribing to that, be hard when it get or, or that be hard all the time motto, you know, you, you miss out on, on a lot, you miss out on a lot of great things in life, man. And, you know, I've seen it destroy, you know, the guy you mentioned, um, you know, David, he, he's not the only person I see this man, guys retired from the SEAL teams. And they think they got to maintain that pace. And, and next thing you know, uh, it, not only their bodies are broken, but their marriages are destroyed. Their friendships are destroyed. They're isolated. And a lot of times it even leads to suicide, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and that's just it. Cause you're not dealing with your emotions. I, we have another friend that is a, a former Army Ranger, but he does a lot of um talking on just masculinity and what the true definition is. And that is that you, yes, having this, you know, this side, but also being able to express your emotions. And, you know, you, I know when you retired just, you know, last year, you did talk about like PTSD and, you know, struggling with that. And one, I love that you have been so open about that because I think so many people like have to wear like this badge of honor that they, they don't, they don't talk about those things. But I also love the answers that you gave. That's really just helped you because I mean, I know for me, God has really restored me and helps me feel complete. So talk me through, like, I mean, you, so you, you got discharged struggling with some PTSD and what have you done to, you know, deal, deal with it, work through it. Well, you know, uh, first thing I'll say about that, you know, is if if you have if you've been through trauma in your life, uh, if if you, you know, whether it doesn't matter if you're a first responder, if you're a cancer survivor, if you're a, a survivor of of uh, sexual abuse or physical abuse or domestic, whatever it is, man, uh, that crap, it messes with you, man. Don't be ashamed. To go and, and and seek help for that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't be ashamed to do that. It, it's it's normal. It's normal for anybody that's experienced trauma or even just lived a fast paced hard life for a long long time. You, you've got to you've got to put some time in to kind of reverse the negative effects of that stuff. There's no shame in that, man. Uh, and so for me, you know, one of the, I, th- I think probably the biggest help for me transitioning from the Navy is establishing a new mission in life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I didn't know what that was going to be. I thought I was going to get out of the Navy and maybe go contract. You know, I worked for a company called formerly called Blackwater uh, contracting defense contracting company. I worked for, for them for a few months and I thought, you know, there's a lot of money there. I thought maybe that's I was depending on all the things that I had done as a SEAL. I thought that was my only route, you know, was just staying in the fight. And um, turns out uh, that's not what God had in store for me. So so really, you know, I had to at at one distinct moment submit to God 
uh, I actually had a vision. I was laying in bed one night, and in the top left corner of my vision, God showed me everything that I owned, all my material possessions, and he said, give it to me, and um, I wouldn't give it to him. I told him no, <laughs> but he kept asking me to give it to him, so I finally released that stuff to him, uh, and then my vision came to center, and there was a scroll, and on that scroll, there was written everything I had ever done as a Navy SEAL, and these clouds started to build around this scroll, and as the clouds built, the scroll shrank, and the scroll shrank down so small that I could no longer even read my past accomplishments. And God said, uh, um, God revealed to me what he was trying to, the, the, those clouds were the presence of God, representative of the presence of God. And he was basically saying, I can do so much more than you have done. Uh, so, and then the, the, the last part of the vision was, uh, I asked uh, the Holy Spirit, I said, what about my wife? If you're going to take all my material positions, uh, take, you know, basically my resume and start me over from scratch. What about her? And he said, I will provide for her and care for her just as I have you. And so after that, I was totally submitted uh, to Jesus. And, you know, that's when all of this stuff just started happening. People ask me all the time, how did you get from literally I didn't know what Instagram was. I didn't know what a podcast was. I didn't know what any of this stuff was a year ago. And people are like, how did the world, how did this happen? And I'm like, I don't even know how it happened. I had this vision. I totally submitted. I lost all those material possessions. I lived in the basement for six months. And I just kept going and listening to God and going, taking opportunities. Opportunities would, would pop up to meet people, to form friendships, to network, to make relationships, to give an interview, to share my testimony. And I never turn an opportunity down. If I have time to do it, I'm going to do it. So God says, I want you to go here. I raise my hand and say, I will go. I'll go. And that's all Love I've it. done for a year. That's all I've done is raise my hand and say, I'll go. And I'll tell the truth. And I don't have any other agendas. And that's all I've done. Now, my little brother, which is my business partner, he can give a more like this happened here. This ha this interview happened here. This relationship. I don't even pay no attention to that. I've just been listening to God, staying submitted to him. He puts me in these crazy situations, and that's how I end up right here. So finding that new mission, submitting to my creator, and uh, just raising my hand and saying, I will go, has helped me tremendously, man. I don't look back. I, 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 don't, I don't have to look back. I don't have to dwell on, oh, what about this mission? What about this thing? Uh, oh, man, I wish I was still in the SEAL teams jumping out of airplanes and shooting guns every day. Heck no, man. The mission that I'm doing, the mission I'm on right now is 10 times more fulfilling and rewarding than anything I ever did as a SEAL. Yes, totally. Everything you're saying, I mean, I'm getting chills because that was exactly why I reached out to you. I mean, I listened to you and I'm like, this guy's either going to think I'm crazy or God's going to just make this happen for me because I was like, he's not going to know me from anyone but I'm on the same mission and I know that I have basically submitted myself as well. I'm like, God, I'm, I'm here to be used. I want you to use me in the way that you can. And like you, I mean, I got diagnosed again in March, right at the beginning of COVID. And it was because of my diagnosis. I used it as a for me, you know, experience. I launched my podcast. I'm like, I am playing too small. You know, I reached out to Ed Milet. I luckily knew him, you know, well enough that I'm like, Ed, I want you to be on the podcast, you know? And he's like, all right. Like things just started to happen for me because I was finally stepping out in that faith. And like you having the mission that I'm like, I'm willing to be used. I'm willing, you know, and, and man, the blessings and the opportunities. And I mean, it's just been like dream come true, pinch me type things, you know? So I, I love that you share that. And I love that you, you know, have that mission. So let's talk about three of seven, because I want everyone that is listening. I have a really loyal following. So I know they're going to be like, all right, I got to come look them up and I got to know your mission. I looked it up. I love, you know, the significance of the three and the seven. So talk me through your mission. Oh, I appreciate the opportunity, Amy. And by the way, Ed Milet needs to have you on his podcast uh, <laughs> because I can only imagine the, the, the stories that you can articulate and the lessons that you can articulate going through what you've been through. Um, 
the mission three of seven project so yeah the three is the the body soul and spirit um i believe that we are composed of three parts the body soul and spirit and yeah there's there's uh there's a whole nother conversation around all those three parts of us and the seven is a biblical number for completion so basically, uh, you know, we try to look at things in terms of if we can do things to master, nourish and maintain our body, our soul and our spirit on a day to day basis, that we will achieve the most complete and wholesome life that we can possibly have. Um, so being intentional about, you know, doing that, that's what the podcast is all about. Uh, the three of seven podcast and uh, we try to bring people on like you, Amy, like I would love to interview you on my podcast and really dig into your story um, at some point if you're willing. But people oh, like you, man, that that have have are intentional about that stuff and it has led them to a complete and wholesome lifestyle as best as possible. Nobody's perfect. Um, so that's what the podcast is about. You know, we we have a a very intimate uh, training uh, training missions once a month. It's called the Basic Course, where uh, I take uh, groups of eight people out into the wilderness, and I spend three days with them. And uh, it's me and two of my co-instructors. We teach them all the hard skills on how to not. Uh, I, I hate using the word survival. How to thrive in the wilderness. So mm-hmm. we teach them all the hard skills, how to filter water, how to set up shelter, how to run a camp, how what to look for, how to make movement across this, how to land, navigate, all that stuff. But we also teach them any any mindset, uh, any mindset topic is covered there, too. So so we hit the soul and the spirit, the soul being the mind, will and emotions and also the spirit being your connection to God. So. The basic course is awesome, man. It's like the grand, the grand total package. Nobody else does what we do. Um, and that's the most intimate thing that we offer as I guess you could call it a product. Uh, we really just did it because it's, it's an unmatched experience. I mean, when do you get to go spend three days in the wilderness one on one time, form a team with complete strangers and accomplish a mission? And now, so, can you come individual? Like, is it like, you know, what's the ages? What's the limitations? Oh, yeah. I mean, as as long the, the age thing is, it's like, uh, you know, I would say 18 years and older. I don't put a limit on the 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 old of the age. Like if you're 75 years old and, and you're you're healthy and fit, you can come. Um, awesome. And and yeah, you just you, you have to send me an application. Uh, it's very vague how to sign up for this thing, but it's that way for a purpose. Uh, we, you know, we've had over 500 people apply for this thing in 2020. We only were able to train 48 people in 2020. So those who want to know how to sign up for the basic course, you should probably go listen to the three or seven podcast and figure it out. Yes. We're vague about it just because it's fun to be. You know what I mean? Like, I love it. I love it. I'm I'm so intrigued. I mean, between you and I know Jesse has his his climb. We were going to do that this last year. Me and my husband were like, when Steve was getting ready to do it, it just didn't work with our timing. But I know that's on my bucket list of like, you know, anything to push your limits and challenge your mindset, I think just sharpens that saw, you know? Oh, 100%. And it's, it's so nice to, you know, this. So I'd say the I'd say the the main Achilles heel of our business is it's unscalable. Uh, things like the basic course, it it is a a intimate experience that is not tailored for the masses. It, it right. is not. It will never be. It cannot be scaled. I have buddies look at me and say, "Why are you doing this, Chad? You're never gonna you're never gonna be able to get rich off of this. You can't scale it." I'm like, well, it's just because if I'm if I don't do it, who else is going to do it? That's the reason nobody else is doing it. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I'm glad that at least that we get to hear you speak then, because since you're not going to be able to scale that, I hope. I mean, I feel like I I hit the jackpot when I found you the other day. And then when I went and searched in, in, in iTunes. So anyone listening, go search 
listen to the Steve Weatherford one. I'm even going to link it in the show notes because you were on fire. And that was just, I mean, we could have a whole podcast just on that. And like you talked about, it's not about politics. I really believe it's it's between dark and light. And we are at a place in the world that we're seeing so much of it. And, and those of us that are light workers, whatever you want to call yourselves, like it is time to show up and stand up and not be afraid of your convictions. And I think we see so much gray in 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 these areas when it comes to like, God and, and Jesus and and we can't be so this you know Chad is going to be the person to definitely share some of that with you where's the best place to find you Chad um the best place to find me I guess would be on Instagram at Chad Wright 278 uh or on three of seven project.com the podcast the basic course everything is uh linked to three of seven project.com so I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to share that information with your audience, Amy. And yeah, um, we could do it. We could do a whole nother podcast about Jesus. That's a whole nother two hour long conversation. I know. I know. <laughs> this is this has been so great. It was a this is a pinch me moment, honestly. I was admittedly nervous coming into it, but I said a prayer before and I'm like, I just want this to flow because I knew that you have so much to offer, you know, just my audience and just everyone. So if you're listening today, Promise me this, you'll screenshot it, you'll come and you'll tag Chad on Instagram. It really, this is the only way these types of messages get out these days. You know, share it on your Instagram. I know all my people are even on Facebook. Share it on Facebook because someone needs to hear this today. And this is the way it gets out. So I thank you again, Chad, for coming on. Thank you, Amy. And yeah, we'll be, uh, I mean, I want to get you on the 307 podcast like ASAP as soon as we get done with this move. So please, 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 I would love to dig into your story. It will happen. Okay, another episode in the books. And I'll tell you what, I am loving this podcasting gig. I cannot thank you enough for all of the reviews, for the comments that you've been sending me. It gives me an idea of more of what you want to hear. And my one ask here is this, I would love it if you would screenshot this or hit the copy link and share this with people you think would benefit from hearing from me. It's the way I'm going to get my message out, my vision out, and I would so much appreciate it. I will continue to bring episodes on Tuesdays and Fridays with bonus ones on Saturdays with my husband, and I'm excited to share them with you. 